This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This is a podcast hosted by Wakato Environment Centre or Go Eco. <laughs> Listen in each week to hear the aspirations and mahi of the Go Eco Wakato team. We are a voice for the environment, a centre for learning, and a catalyst for change. Koehinga te totara te waunui atane. We acknowledge the passing of leader, activist, thinker and rangatira Moana Jackson this morning. Moi moi ra. Last week we heard from Patrick Rooney, spokesperson for Save Our Trains. They shared why we should save passenger rail and the importance of the government having a nationwide strategy for rail. You can listen to that podcast on your favourite podcast platform, search for Hipuna Korirua or find a link in the podcast tab at the top of your Facebook page. This week we're being joined by Forest and Bird Regional Conservation Manager for the Taranaki and Wakato regions, Alvisa van der Leiden. Alvisa studied media studies in marine science and has worked and volunteered in marine conservation before being elected on the Taranaki Regional Council for Namoto, um, which is extremely impressive. Uh, kia ora Alvisa, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me on. Not a problem at all. Uh, I had a little technical glitch <laughs> you may or may not have noticed because you also uh, co-host a, a podcast as well. Uh, yes. Um, well, since I've come into this new role with Forest and Bird, I've handed that over um, to somebody else. But yes, when I worked for Sustainable Taranaki, um, I hosted uh, Talking Tire, which was very similar to what you guys are doing. It is, and I recommend, uh, you know, if you if you like this podcast, you will also love Talking Tire. So check it out. I've been on Spotify and binged a few episodes over the last few days. Uh, it's really awesome work. And you've done so much really great work, as I mentioned, uh, in marine conservation as well. But as you mentioned, we are here to talk about your mahi with forest and bird. Um, what... Can you tell us a little bit about your role there? Cool, keep it quiet. Um, so, no airangi no piripaina oki tūpuna, no tokoroa hau, ko Taranaki toku kainga, ko Alvisa van der Leiden toku ingoa. Um, yeah, my name is Alvisa and I'm the new Forest and Bird Regional Conservation Manager for the Waikato and Taranaki region. I'm based here in Namoto, New Plymouth, but I grew up in Tokoroa in the South Waikato where my whānau still live. Um, so my role as an RCM is focused on campaigning and advocacy, which can be anything from helping local forest and bird branches, which are mainly volunteers, um, with their local conservation issues and making submissions to council, to helping the national team with national campaigns such as saving our seabirds, saving our native freshwater fish, um, protecting our wetlands. And more recently, we've been doing some research around the emissions trading scheme provide feedback to the government on the proposal that they've come out with to include permanent native forests in this scheme mm. uh, instead of just relying on exotics like pines which we see everywhere and me being from Tokoroa um, 
those were pretty much the only kinds of trees I knew about growing up. <laughs> and and, and the, the only tree most of us know about uh, for forestry. But if we bring that back a little bit, um, and I do want to talk a little, hopefully we've got some time to talk about the other campaigns as well, but can you tell us what the Emissions Trading Scheme is? There seems to be so many acronyms uh, around uh, climate action and policies and strategies and um, yeah, it would just be great to get a sense of uh, what the ETS is, Emissions Trading Scheme, and where it fits in that bigger picture. I definitely, I can help with that. So um, the New Zealand Emissions Trading Scheme, um, it's a tool for um, our response to climate change. And there are a number of similar systems in other countries who have also signed the Paris Agreement. So the purpose of the NZETS, Emissions Trading Scheme, is to help New Zealand meet its international obligations under the Paris Agreement um, and help New Zealand meet its 2050 target and emissions budget. So um, the ETS places a price on emissions of greenhouse gases. So businesses can buy carbon credits to offset their emissions. And all sectors of New Zealand's economy, apart from agriculture at this stage, now pay um, for their emissions through the NZETS. Um, and by putting a price on carbon emissions, businesses are encouraged by the system to reduce their carbon footprint. And you can find out more about the system on the Ministry of uh, for the Environment website. But as an example, if I was a big oil company, I would need to provide the government a report on how much carbon my business uh, was emitting. And then I would have to pay for my emissions by purchasing carbon credits. So for however many tonnes of carbon I emit, or my business emits, I would need to purchase however many credits. And one way I could do that is by directly purchasing those credits from a carbon farming company who plant out and manage, they should manage, um, their carbon forest, uh, carbon sinking forests, which could be exotic or native, um, or I could auction those credits from the government. And from there, if a company reduces their emissions over time, they're able to trade their excess carbon credits to other companies that may need more credits um, because they're emitting more carbon. So that's kind of the ETS in a nutshell. <laughs> wow, there's so much. There's so much that I could um, that I need to delve into uh, from that. <laughs> there's a couple of things, and I hope that these are so the sorts of questions you're comfortable answering. So um, the ETS isn't about actually helping to reduce our emissions. Well, it's designed to um, to encourage companies to reduce their emissions because they have to pay for their emissions. Um, and in some areas, um, it is actually helping. So, for instance, I'm based in, in Taranaki, and um, there's organisations like Araake who um, help facilitate oil and gas industries and other unsustainable energy companies to uh, transition to low-emitting um, energy practices. Um, and that way, by facilitating that, they're also saving money over time because they're reducing their carbon emissions. So there's a whole network. It's a very complicated system. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, it really is. Yeah, which I don't actually know all the nuts and bolts to because obviously that's not my primary area mm -hmm. that I work in. But it's so fascinating uh, learning about these incentives and these initiatives and hearing about I guess all the good stuff that's going on as well as all, you know, we always see the doom and gloom um, in the media and through documentaries, but to be in, actively involved in these processes, to provide feedback, do the research and help facilitate 
um, a just transition and a sustainable transition um, to more environmentally friendly practices um, is quite rewarding in, in that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we if we know the emissions trading scheme is helping for businesses to be incentivised to reduce their emissions and they're being supported to do that, um, that that has to be a good thing. It has to be um, something to celebrate. One of the Isn't other it? things you said in there that I was surprised by is that um, everything is included except forestry in the emissions agriculture. Oh, agriculture. Sorry, I yes. thought, I, I thought I, that's what I, you we, said. Yes. Um, so obviously New Zealand is a huge farming, has a huge farming industry. And um, from what I understand, um, the, I think, yeah, there, there's still a, um, a grey area that the government's trying to work through with agriculture. Um, and so there are obviously practices like regenerative agriculture, which has uh, more regenerative, um, which is a regenerative practice. And so it emits less carbon. So there's all these different initiatives and all the science going on to try and, um, yeah, transition to those more um, climate-friendly practices. I personally don't know too much about that side of things just yet because we've been... Um, I guess focusing on the on the um, including native forests in the ETS, so we've been doing heaps of research in that area. Okay, and we will come to that in a moment. So, for the the way that we think about agriculture, so if it's not included in the ETS, um, but it's, they are working the on another way to help incentivise reductions for the agriculture industry, but separate to uh, the system that will work for other others. From what I understand, yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. So, so let's talk about forests. We mentioned before that most of us are quite familiar with the pine forests, um, and I guess for a long time we've considered that the way to go in terms of carbon sinks uh, and, mm. and climate action. Can you talk to us a little about how we might see um, exotic forests and native forests and and uh, their role in the ETS as well? Um, sure. So, so obviously we all know that climate change poses a threat to everything from our sources of fresh water to the resilience and survival of our native biodiversity. And from with forest and bird, we always want to put nature first, our native biodiversity first. So from what some people might not realise is, is that while exotic forests like pine can store carbon faster, they also die and biodegrade faster, which means they release carbon faster than native forests. Um, and they're usually planted as, as monocultures, which we um, know now is not good um, for the environment. Um, it's not good for soil health um, and it's not good for biodiversity. Um, native forests, on the other hand, uh, they're normally planted um, in like a diversity of species. They're longer living, so they store more carbon over a longer period of time. They also break down slower, and so they have a slower carbon release, which obviously means more balance uh, in the ecosystem. This makes native forest carbon sinks perfect as an intergenerational climate action and only makes sense to include in the ETS and encourage companies to move in that direction. But other than storing carbon and fighting climate change, um, there are a number of other benefits to permanent native forest carbon sinks, including improved water quality, erosion control, better soil health, um, an area that is becoming more popular to study is fungi. We want more native fungi being spread because things like pines actually spread exotic 
fungi and microbes through the soil. Um, so we want more conservation of local plant species by being eco-sourced properly. And native forests, uh, on top of all of that, they obviously help with the growth of general biodiversity, creating homes for all sorts of native manu and pika pika, which is a, obviously a species that I'm talking about, um, that people have started becoming more aware of um, and becoming more invested in the protection of, which is really exciting and something that I think Forest and Bird is one of like many, many wins, um, raising awareness about those types of species. Um, mm, absolutely, on, yeah. Yeah, on, on top of all of that, though, um, you can't just plant a tree and forget about it. So another area that we're trying to push for is ensuring that the right tree is in the right place and that there are all sorts of ongoing maintenance involved, such as pest management. And by pest management, I don't just mean predators like rats, stoats, ferrets and weasels. That's obviously a given. Um, but it also means browser species like deer, goats, wallabies, uh, possums and pigs, which eat the leaves, shoots and fruits of native plants trying to regenerate. And obviously we want them to regenerate so that they can continue storing carbon. And something I want to sort of wedge in here because I live here, uh, a really good example of this successful long-term pest management is Te Papakura o Taranaki. Um, have you heard of that story recently, No, Kelly? no, no, I haven't. No, and to so, be honest, the first time I've heard of browser species was this morning, so... Uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> cool, I'm <laughs> doing my job. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so, yeah, that's the group name for, for, for um, all those species that just eat the plants rather mm. than just the birds and eggs. Um, we've got the predators and then we've got um, browser species, which are really bad for our native plants. Um, and as I was... And, talking about Papakura or Taranaki, uh, previously known as Egmont, uh, Mount Egmont or Egmont National Park. Um, the Iwi, Dock and Next Foundation have successfully eradicated, completely eradicated browsers um, with goats being the last pest that they caught. Um, and this means that the regenerative growth around the Maunga, around the National Park will be able to thrive and provide more habitat for reintroduced species such as the seal, tutuai and kiwi which have all only been reintroduced to the national park in the last, like within the last 10 years and this also makes Te Papakura o Taranaki our region's largest carbon sink as it's continuously capturing carbon through all that regenerating growth which is now not being eaten by all those browsers so it's a really really big um, achievement mm. that um, we've got to really um, appreciate and we can show it can happen you know it's totally possible there is an incredible achievement um and and see so, i mean you mentioned doc and iwi and was it next next foundation yes next foundation wow so incredible teamwork i guess across mm. uh, across and around uh, the rohi that's um that's really, I guess, not just inspiring, but hearing those examples shows us of what's possible in other um, native forests around Waikato, particularly. That's mm. where, where we're based as well. Um, look, I, just on um, the native and pine trees, I, I'm thinking because a lot of our work is, we, you know, we want to support the aspirations of mana whenua and hapu um, totally. in the Waikato. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, are, are we finding that um, some 
iwi have already invested heavily in uh, pine forests um, because for a long time, you know, that's the way that we thought that we might be able to grow trees for, for climate action. We know it's not enough now and native forests is the way to go, but are we finding that may become an issue? Um, in terms of any... I guess um, any, uh, any iwi have already invested in pine forestry. Yeah, I'm not too sure about um, that particular issue because that is really important. It's like the current existing pine forests and and I guess from um, from many other areas that I've seen working in local government and things like that is um, having a plan for when those trees do eventually die. Mm. Um, so it's not the BNC end and end or uh, my tongue you know what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all in end all is what I'm trying to say. Um, like if, if there has been investment in pine forests, like there is a benefit of storing carbon immediately, mm. but those trees will die sooner rather than later. And and in the meantime, there is there is also space for native um, growth beneath those um, yeah. canopies to come through and succeed the the pines that eventually die off and I guess that's part of the transition uh, proposal is that there is the potential for um, pines or exotics um, that capture carbon faster to be used as a transition tool Mm. um, with the objective of um, them being managed in a way that allows for the native growth to succeed those um, those exotics. You does also, that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And oh. you also mentioned before, um, I don't know if, if, what word you used, but it was like proper eco-sourcing. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so like I said, right tree in the right place. Um, and what currently occurs around the country is that, you know, um, say for instance, if I wanted to plant a kahikatea in a particular area, how do I know that it's not from a different rohi, that it's, mm. it's the genetic... Um, Heritage is not is from that particular area that I want to regenerate. Um, so having that genetic conservation in the rohe that they belong is really um, is I guess in a way proper eco sourcing, making sure that the um, genetic diversity is not being dispersed in areas that they don't belong. Um, and it is happening at the moment, but um, there's a lot more incentive and there's a lot more research and push for more uh, regulation around eco-sourcing and ensuring that Mm. species are being kept in areas that they have historically belonged. Yeah, um, it it was a great prompt. We do have a workshop coming up for Go Eco, um, seed collection and propagation (coughs) from uh, from the Pukimukimuki Bush Reserve, and I'll give some details about that at the end of the show. So, yeah, it's great to hear um, how you have linked in the importance of that eco-sourcing as well. Yeah, and just on top of that, if people are interested in learning more about that, most of the regional councils, I know Taranaki Regional Council definitely does, um, and potentially Waikato, there are usually maps um, available or being developed where you can actually see what types of um, species were originally found in those areas. Oh, cool. um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a really cool... There's a lot of science that goes on um, and a lot of education going on around empowering the community to um, take control of their, you know, their land and, and, and become kaitiaki of, that, of their property. Um, and make sure that they um, are using those resources to foster that positive eco-sourcing culture. Mm. 
Um, there's so much that I've learned from you this morning already. Um, I wish we had a bit more time. Um, so thank you for talking to us about the Emissions Trading Scheme. Uh, it's a, one of those acronyms that sort of gets lost in there when we hear uh, about climate action, but it's a really crucial part for incentivising um, industries to change how they do what they do um, mm. in a just fair way, which is uh, important for all of us to, to know. And also mm. talking about the importance of planting native uh, species uh, and regionally specific native species uh, after pine for all the benefits that native forests have for us uh, that pine perhaps don't have in that same way. Uh, the importance of eco-sourcing and um, a, a win for you in Taranaki with the eradication of browser species which uh, it's always good to hear that there have been some really uh, good success stories and we can always look to those for uh, inspiration and a bit of guidance for the projects here in Wakato as well. Um, oh. So huge. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we've got a, a your song request to follow. Um, can you tell us why you've chosen this one? Yes, so I chose uh, Where Do the Children Play by Cat Stevens or Yusuf. Um, and I guess I kind of, to be quite honest, I kind of just Googled environmental songs um, because my, my go-to is always Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson just because I'm, I'm a bit of a... Um, I used to break dance and I just love... Michael Jackson music but um, this song in particular um, is focused on how we live our adult lives um, I guess in a system that celebrates progress and, and, and um, technological innovation at the expense of the environment but we often forget in those processes to think about the children and where they play and what does the future of their children look like and so this song just really highlights um, the importance of making our decisions based on our mokopuna, on our future generations and what kind of world we want to build for them. Oh, kāpai, that's a, a beautiful choice. Um, Aviza van der Leiden, thank you so much for joining us today um, and congratulations on uh, your new role with Forest and Bird. We look forward to uh, staying in touch and yeah, appreciate your time today. Kia ora. Jumbo planes Taking a ride On a cosmic train Switch on summer From a slot machine Just get what you want to If you want Is you can get anything I know we've come a long way Changing day to day But tell me Where do the children play Well you roll on roads Over fresh green grass 
your lorry loads Pumping petrol gas And you make them long And you make them tough Sorry to interrupt that song for you You can find uh, We Do The Children Play And have a Whakarongo uh, after this podcast. Kete Whakarongo mai, kwehi puna kōrero. Um, Aviza van der Leiden joined us to talk about conservation issues in Aorohi, uh, specifically why native forests as opposed to pine forests are an important part of the solution for climate change and well, climate action. Um, yeah, there was, so, there was so much for me uh, personally um, to learn in that interview, so that's always a bit of a bonus. Um, I hope you learned something as well. Protect Pokiahua had a win in the Environmental Court on the 30th of March. Hapu have been protecting the whenua from earthworks at Pokiahua in Ngaroa Wahia for two years after consent was given for Perry Company to expand the housing development over remaining rua or borrow pits. It's a site of cultural significance for Ngāti Tomainupo um, and the Hapu have an incredible vision for the whenua and are now working towards Hapu lands being in Hapu hands. So um, a great win in the Environment Court for Protect Pukiahua and supporters. Meanwhile, the Department of Conservation has given permission for Korora to be uplifted from their homes, displaced, habitats destroyed, or for the sake of a floating car park on Kennedy Point on Waiheke Island. Um, there are updates on the Protect uh, Putiki social media accounts. Just a reminder that our bike hub is open every Thursday and Saturday morning, 10 till 12. Uh, it's in our car park, access of Kent Street. You can pop in to learn how to fix or service your bike. That's your tyres, your brakes, your chain, your gears. Taking, uh, We also take donations of bikes too, if you've got an old or unused bike lying around that you would like to donate. Off the Rails is a self-guided cycle tour of Frankton's Heritage Sites and is available for you um, via our social media. Just look for Off the Rails. On the 23rd of April, uh, as I mentioned in the corridor with our visa, uh, Wayne Bennett is facilitating a seed collection and propagation workshop at Pukimukimuki Reserve, 9 to 2pm. It's one where you'll need to go to the Earth Diverse website to register. Uh, From May 11th, our lunchtime and evening fortnightly talks will also restart and you'll find more information popping up on social media. That's Go Eco or Earth Diverse over the next couple of weeks. Keep an eye on social media for food grown workshops, which restart in May as well. Our Goeco shop is currently closed, so if you are um, planning a visit, please give us a call first to check that we are there to open for you. Uh, we can also open by appointment. You can shop online as well, shop.goeco.org.nz. Epuna Korero is a podcast hosted by Goeco, the Wakato Environment Centre. We are a not-for-profit environment hub with biodiversity, kai, transport and enterprise projects. You can find out more about our work on social media, Goeco Wakato, by heading to our website, goeco.org.nz, or better yet, popping into 188 Commerce Street, Frankton in Kirikiriroa, one of the oldest uh, and most quirky suburbs in Kirikiriroa. Join us again next week for a new episode, but make sure you follow or subscribe to Hipuna Korero on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. Kia pai tora e hoa
more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.